Um, here we go. Uh, now it's super loud. Okay. Um, how's everybody doing? Good. I'm glad somebody showed up this morning. So last week we started out in the book of Acts and we covered the first 11 verses. And we talked about um, the fact that this book, this, this letter, book of Acts was written by Luke, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and that he's telling the first 30 years of the, the history of the church. And that this is our story. This isn't some disconnected story that isn't relevant to us. This is, this is the beginning of our story. And so it matters. And as we read the incredible things that will happen in this book, it's... It's stuff that we can expect. This is, this is our beginnings. And so this is a book that should really build and increase our faith. And my faith is huge this morning. I have been more, I feel like the last time I was this nervous before speaking, it was on launch day a year ago. I mean, I have just like had this, this nervous anticipation, like what is God going to do today. I just have this sense that God is about to show up. So I want you to have that kind of expectation as well. Jesus, we read last week, tells his disciples, he says that not many days from now you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so his disciples have just been told this and then Jesus tells them that um, they will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them and that they will be his witnesses. So he tells them that, and then he floats up into heaven. And, And they're sitting there watching him go into heaven. And then all of a sudden there's these two guys standing there in white robes. Maybe they were angels. And they're like, what are you guys looking at? And tells them, stop staring into heaven. In the same way that he left, he's coming back. In other words, the story's not over. The story's just getting started. It's just getting good. And we said that the rest of this book is still about what Jesus is doing, even though he has ascended into heaven. This book is about what Jesus is doing from the throne rather than what he's doing walking the earth. And now he's doing things through the power of the Holy Spirit through men and women. And so that's where we are. That's where we left off. This morning, I want us to talk about what it looks like to receive the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm expecting that to happen here this morning. Um, I want us to pray right now for that to happen this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking God to do something huge. I want us to also pray for the Wilmington firefighters because they're doing a live burn this morning for eight hours. I'm kind of jealous. I, I really would rather be here, but there's a part of me that really wishes I was doing that with them. 
But God, I want, I want us to experience a live burn this morning. A burning of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to fall in here and so that not one of us leaves this room this morning without being on fire for Jesus. So I'm going to pray for that. You guys pray with me. Let's just, let's just believe God to do something big. Heavenly Father, I have plans of things that I want to say. But I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say. I want you to have your way. God, we, we, um, we do pray for the safety of those firefighters who are um, training right now in, in a burning building. And we don't want them to be the only ones who are experiencing fire today. We want to experience fire from heaven. God, we ask you to have your way this morning. If you want to make a fool of me for the sake of your kingdom, you do it, God. Set me on fire, Lord. Set this place ablaze with your spirit, God. We ask you to move and we expect you to move. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, to kind of jump ahead a little bit in Acts 19.2, there's this situation where Paul is with these folks who have just believed the gospel. And he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. On, at the very end of the Gospel of John, in, in John 20, 19 through 22, this is where Jesus is appearing to his disciples. This is in the Gospel of John. This is the account of Jesus appearing to them. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Then you fast forward. Forty days later, he says, not many days from now, you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So what happened when, when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit? This is what I think. The Bible says that everyone who has believed this gospel, it says in Romans 8, that everyone who's believed this gospel has the Spirit of God. Okay, they, I believe that they had the Spirit of God. But there's something else. There's something else that we're going to read takes place in just a few verses. Something else that's very unique that Jesus is wanting them to wait for before they are sent out. The word receive is the Greek word lambano. 
Lambano. And so they have already, they've already, Jesus has breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then there's something else. He says, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll receive power. You know what that word lambano means? <clears throat> I got the definition right here from the Greek. And here's what it, here's what it means. To take. To take with the hand, lay hold of any person or thing in order to use it. To take up a thing to be carried. To take upon oneself. To take in order to carry away. Without the notion of violence. To remove, take away. To take what is one's own. To take to oneself. To make one's own. To claim, procure for oneself. To associate with oneself as a companion, attendant. Of that which, when taken, is not let go. To seize, to lay hold of, apprehend. To take to oneself, lay hold upon, take possession of, to appropriate to oneself. Catch at, reach after, strive to obtain. To take a thing due, to collect to take, to admit, receive, to receive what is offered, not to refuse or reject, to receive a person, give him access to one's self. That is what that word receive means. To take, to seize, to apprehend. Something that is already yours. And I, I believe that that is what happens here in a few verses. And I believe that that's what needs to happen here in this room this morning. So how will that happen? How does it happen for them? For them, it all starts with prayer. Practically speaking, we take hold of, we seize, we apprehend the Spirit in this way in prayer. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Read, read with me if you have a Bible. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. They were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of James and his brothers. They were devoting themselves to prayer together. This is where it all starts. Did, I, I didn't see anywhere where Jesus said, go and pray. He just said, go and wait. But they knew because they had been watching Jesus. Jesus was their example. They knew we need to go pray. They had seen Jesus filled with power. And Jesus said, you will be filled with power. And they had seen Jesus 
raise the dead. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus heal the blind and cast out demons. They had seen him do mighty things filled with power from the Holy Spirit. And they knew that what always preceded that was prayer. Always. And so they just did what they knew they were supposed to do. As they waited, they were going to wait praying. And so they go and they pray. It's crazy. Sometimes I feel like I've got to talk myself into praying. Like, oh, you know, I just, I really haven't been praying a lot lately and I really need to. And I'm supposed to. But I need to take some time to pray. And you know why we do that? It's because we don't really get it. How powerful this is. We don't really believe the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we did, no one would need to convince us to leverage that power. If we really believed that when we pray, it sets things in motion... In heaven, no one would need to commit. We wouldn't need to guilt ourselves into prayer. This would, we would just do it. And you see that that is the continual, that's the rhythm that they take. The early church constantly devoting themselves to prayer. And there's needs and they go and they pray. Someone gets arrested and they go and they pray. Or they're being told that they can't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. So they go and pray. And here Jesus says, you'll be filled with power from on high. So they go and pray. Here's the thing about prayer. Prayer is how we claim what Jesus has already purchased for us. It's already been purchased at the cross. And prayer is where we we get access to what is ours. We seize, we lay hold of, we apprehend what is already ours because we are in Jesus. And he purchased it for us. It's an incredible privilege. And God will not do apart from prayer what he has promised to do in answer to prayer. For whatever reason, he has chosen to use the church, us, the church, to accomplish things on this earth. And he's chosen to make prayer the means through which he does it. Prayer is like the arm that reaches out and grabs what's already ours. He says to them, remember what he says to them in their, at the Last Supper? He says, John 14, 12 through 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Then he says, whatever you ask, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Whatever you ask, you have to ask. 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask. Those are Jesus' words. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We have been appointed, the church, we have been appointed as askers. He says, in another place, you have not because you ask not. Why? Why did he set it up that way? I don't really know. But he did. And so he doesn't do, apart from prayer, what he's promised to do in answer to prayer. And the disciples got that. They got that. So they went to pray. Even though he had said, you will be filled with power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word receive, they heard that, receive. In the Greek, they got it. We will receive power. We will apprehend. We will lay hold of. We will take what belongs to us through Jesus. And so they prayed. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I love, love this verse. When you hear somebody walking and they got the keys jingling, what does that tell you about them? They, they, they're important. They have access to stuff. They can unlock doors. They can lock doors. Yeah. The, the, the person with the keys, they have access. Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There are spiritual forces at work behind the scenes all the time. And we rarely, we rarely see what's really at work, what's really happening. And so we reason things away, you know. Uh, we, have, we have all these logical reasons why all this stuff happens. There are forces at work all the time. There is a battle taking place. And we have the keys to the kingdom. We can bind up and we can loose. We can lock and we can unlock. What are the keys? Prayer. Prayer. We have access to the throne of God through the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood spilled for us, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. Cleansed by his blood, we can approach the throne of grace and we can bind up the enemy and we can loose the captives. Prayer is mighty in its working. It is powerful when we pray with faith. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4, Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, In other words, even though we walk around in this physical body, on this physical earth, the war isn't physical. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The weapons of our warfare have divine power. 
the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're spiritual weapons. And we use those weapons in prayer. The weapons of our warfare have divine power. So, prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful. And they knew, okay, we're supposed to receive power. We need to go pray. We need to go start asking for what's ours. We need to go lay hold of it. We need to seize the Holy Spirit. So, then what happens? I'm going to read Acts 15 through 26. kind of a long passage, but... It says, In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in, in all about 120. And said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in, his, in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. Judas got paid 30 pieces of silver in order to give up Jesus' location so they could arrest him. And he bought a field with that. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language a keldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. That is quoting Psalm 69.25. And let another take his office. And that's quoting Psalm 109, verse 8. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. <clears throat> so what happens here is that they've been praying for a while now. They've gone to this place, they're all praying together, there's 120 of them gathered. And as they're praying, Peter... He's reflecting on the scriptures. And no doubt, they would have been searching the scriptures, the Old Testament is what they had. They, they've been searching this to see all the prophecies that have been spoken about what happened to Jesus. And as they had searched the scriptures, they came across these verses that prophesied about Judas. They had seen that. So they had seen this where it said that Judas of Judas may his camp become desolate and let their be no one to dwell in it. <clears throat> they had seen this. But as he's praying, as he is seeking the Lord in prayer, something else pops up. 
There's this other verse, this other prophecy that says, let another take his office. And he goes, oh, wait, wait a second, we haven't done that yet. We haven't, we haven't replaced his spot. We haven't let another person come and take his spot. And so as he's praying, he realizes there's this prophecy and we haven't done that yet. Like, he actually believes that this book gives them instruction. It's not just for fun information. He actually believes that there are things that we do in response to this book. That's his mindset. So that when he remembers this, oh, there's this place where it says we need to let someone else take his spot. Then he stands up and he says, hey, there's something we haven't done in obedience to this book. That's his immediate thought. There's something that this book has told us we haven't done it yet. And so he says, we got to do it right now. Let's do it right now. And so he's, let's, let's just, let's, let's do this right now in obedience to what this says. And see, prayer is so important. He, I, I don't think he would have had this revelation. I don't think he would have realized this had he not been praying. But he also wouldn't have realized this. He also wouldn't have had this revelation had he not been reading the word. He had to have been in this book. He had to have known what it said. And so, as he's in prayer, the Holy Spirit goes, hey, remember where it says this. And you haven't done it yet. The point is this. That when we seek God in prayer, he's going to show us steps that we need to take. He will. God is... He's really practical when it comes to that. And, and I'm glad for that because I, I sometimes I just need it to be real simple and practical. Okay, God, so I want to obey you. So what, what's, what's the steps that you want me to take? What's next? And this is, this is what was revealed to them. As we seek the Lord in prayer, and, and we're going to do that together in just a little bit. I'm expecting that God is... Going, I'm, I'm totally confident. I am totally confident that God is going to reveal to some of you things that you need to do. Next steps of obedience. I'm very confident of that. If you really seek Him, then He's going to put things into your head. He's going to remind you of things. That, okay, this is what I know that His Word says. I haven't obeyed that. It's really important that we read this book the way that it should be read, and that is that it is an interaction with God. That we pray in the way that we should pray, and that is prayer is interactive. That's why we call this a relationship with God. Relationships are interactive. There's give and take. And we, we talk to God, and we expect Him to reveal things to us. And we read his word and we expect him to reveal things to us. I like to say that when we read God's word to learn, we need to be asking these two questions. What is God saying specifically to me in this passage? And then secondly, what am I going to do about it? Because the Bible warns us against being a hearer of the word and not a doer. That's very dangerous, that we actually deceive ourselves when we do that. That we really need to be hearers 
and doers. That when we hear, we do. That this book requires responses. That's how you read the Bible. And I would say that's also how we pray. This is a relationship. So, what happens next? They've they've been praying. They've been seeking the Lord. They've been laying hold of what's theirs. And they realize, okay, there's something we still need to do. So they do that. And then the very next thing, Acts chapter 2 Starting in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, this is a, a Jewish celebration. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. That's important. They were all together in one place. And it had already said that they were devoting themselves to prayer together. Together. They were all together in one place. There wasn't strife. There wasn't division. There was unity. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't all this bickering and and frustrations. They were united. They were loving each other, and they were in this thing together. And that's very important. They were there together in prayer, agreeing together. And it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why did the Holy Spirit show up like divided tongues of fire. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care why. He showed up to Moses in a burning bush. He appeared to the Israelites as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Why? I don't know. Why did he, why did he descend on Jesus like a dove? I don't know. I do not know. All I know is he's God, so I'm not going to question it. And he can do it however he wants. I just want him to do it to me. (laughs) They They are together. They're praying. And all of a sudden, the house is filled with a sound like a wind. A mighty rushing wind. And they are... I mean, you, you have to imagine, this isn't, just a, this isn't just a pretend story. This really happens. So you got to imagine, what, what would you be doing? Like, you look up from praying, and you're like, what is about to happen? And the hair is standing up on the back of your neck, and all of a sudden you see fire coming down and landing on people. And you go, oh, there's one about to land on me. And then everything changes. Everything changes for them. They become bold witnesses for Jesus. This event sets in motion the rest of the book of Acts. And what happened that day, they had already, Jesus had already breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What happened that day then? They laid hold of 
more. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit. Immersed. Guys, this is for us. If, if you're a believer, I, I, I believe you have the Holy Spirit. But I also know that there are times when more is given. There are, there are going to be stories that we read where it says, and so-and-so being filled with the Spirit stood up and said among them. So there are going to be times when we can receive more. And I want that to be today. I believe, I really believe that the enemy is so ticked at what's going on here. Yesterday, two more people gave their lives to Jesus. God is moving, and I believe the enemy is ticked. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And I think that what God wants to do here is going to require power from the Holy Spirit. I know that. And I think he wants to give us that power. It's already, it's, it's ours. Jesus purchased that for us. We don't have to do anything to earn that. We just seize the power that's ours. Not for our glory, for the glory of God, for the name of Jesus. We just lay hold of that which is already ours. God will not do apart from prayer what he has promised to do in response to prayer. He said, if you ask, those are very important words. If you ask, I will do. So, in just a minute, I want us to ask. This morning, I, I, I planned a short message. You guys go ahead and come, come up. Um, because I wanted us to have a, a chance to do this. Let's stop talking about it and do it. Right? Let's, let's actually do this. This isn't just a, a good idea to talk about. This is something we do. Let me read a couple testimonies of when this has actually happened. There's a a missionary psychiatrist and author named John White who tells his experience experience of the Spirit showing up in a a unique way. Let this just stir your heart. Because sometimes we think, oh, you know, that's just, those are just people in the Bible. That can't really happen. Listen to this. On one occasion, it was as I prayed with the elders and deacons in my home. I had tried to teach them what worship was. We then turned to prayer. Perhaps partly to be a model to them, I began to express worship. So they're praying. And as he's praying, he's worshiping. This is interactive 
is interactive. He's trying to express worship. He's trying to teach them. Conscious of the poverty of my words, then suddenly I saw in front of me a column of flame of about two feet in width. It seemed to arise from beneath the floor and to pass through the ceiling of the room. I knew without being told, knew by some infallible kind of knowing that transcended the use of my intellect, that I was in the presence of the God of holiness. In stunned amazement, I watched a rising column of flames in our own living room while my brothers remained with their heads quietly bowed and their eyes closed. I felt that I was in the presence of reality and that my brothers were asleep. For years afterwards, I never spoke of the incident. The others who were present could not have perceived the blend of stark terror and joy that threatened to sweep me away. How could I live and see what I saw? Garbled words of love and worship tumbled out of my mouth as I struggled to hang on to my self-control. I was no longer trying to worship. Worship was undoing me, pulling me apart. And to be pulled apart was both terrifying and full of glory. This is real. I have more stories like this. I just want to lead us in a, in a few moments of prayer. And I want us to be expectant. And then we're going to continue worshiping. And as we continue to worship, guys, worship is not mechanical, something that you just do. This is interactive. You respond to the Lord through worship. If you need to stay seated while we worship and pray and talk to the Lord, then do that. If you need to get on your face in the floor, then do that. I don't care. You respond to the Lord in prayer.
Yeah. Yeah. Because it's real. Because it's real. Because this really happens. It really happens. It really does. I'm expecting right now, just as we seek the Lord, that maybe people are going to be healed of things. I don't know how God is going to interact with us. But I'm just expecting him to show up. I don't care how he decides to do it. Because he's God. So if he wants to do it, flames that look like divided tongues. If he wants to fill this place like a mighty rushing wind, I don't, I don't really care. I just want him to show up. I just want us to seek him. So let's, let's pray right now, just united as one, just asking him to show up. Father, Father, we want you to move. We trust that you have already purchased this through the blood of your own son. And we just want to apprehend what is already ours through the cross. That we've been adopted. We've been redeemed. Lord, here we are. We're gathered together in this place, just like they were. You say that if two or more are gathered in your name, that you are in their midst. So we trust that you are here. I know that you are here. But now we just ask for you to show up in a powerful way. Make yourself known to us in a powerful way. Fill us with power from on high. Fill us with your spirit. You say that if we ask, believing that you will give us the spirit. Lord, if there are steps that you want us to take, I pray that we would not ignore those steps. If there are next steps of obedience that you want us to do, I pray that we wouldn't ignore that. Lord, that we would be united as one. I pray that we'd be willing to be made a fool of for the sake of Jesus. That we would lay our lives down, Father. Come and fill this place. Come and fill every one of us, Lord. Touch us in a unique way. Fill this place with a mighty rushing wind. We want to see signs and wonders, miracles and healings, and all that you have for us. We don't want to miss anything, God. Whatever you have for us, whatever you have purchased for us, we want. As your children, as your sons and daughters, we want everything that is rightfully ours through the blood of Jesus. We don't want to miss it. And we want to be used by you, Father. 
God, I ask that as we worship that you would come and inhabit our praises and meet us and fill us. God, we want you to move. We invite you to move. We say, come. Together as a church, as a family, we say, come, Lord, please come. Set us on fire for Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to continue worship. Stand, sit, pray, whatever you want to do. Father's love descended from his throne above, an author of salvation, giver of new life, crucified to pay for sin, our righteousness is in the name of Jesus, every heart and tongue confess your name above all. Conqueror of death, ruler over everything, the Lord of lords and King of kings is Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name above all names. All things of this earth belong to you for. Christ, heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus Christ. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ, heaven and earth declare all praise to Jesus. Every heart and tongue confess your name. Uh, Above all names, all things of this earth belong to you forever. You will reign, you reign, you reign. Highly exalted is the name of Jesus Christ. Heaven and 
Following us this, this morning, Lord, as we worship. We love you, Lord. Oh, holy God, you are the melody, the cry that's ringing out of my heart. Sing it again. Oh, yeah. 